you are listening to Strange Passenger, a single from the upcoming Glitch Hikers The Spaces Between. If you want to listen to it in its full extent, you can find it at the end of tonight's show. Hello, my name is Walker, this is Starlight Cat, and together with my co-host Solon, we bring you a very special and insightful interview with the two creative leads of the original Glitch Hikers First Drive and Glitch Hikers The Spaces Between, Lucas W. Johnson and Clarice Siren. Tonight we'll talk about everything from architecture and game design to how we interpret stories, working in a pandemic environment, how to navigate difficult subjects in writing, and so much more. Enjoy the show. Hello everyone, welcome to a special edition of the Starlight Car, our podcast at thevideogamechoochoo.com, where we get to interview special guests... And tonight, I've got an extremely special set of, uh, of folks that I'm getting to hang out with tonight. I'm really honored. Uh, I am with, uh, of course, I've got my co-host here, Walker. Say hey, Walker. Walker. Hello. That's Walker. You all know him from the, <laughs> the Video Game Choo Choo website. Usually, you're on the uh, editing side, but today, you're going to be front and center. But uh, with me, I have, from Silver String Media, I have Lucas and Claris both here. Hello. Hey, Solon. How you doing? <laughs> Lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. I'm really glad to get to have you. See, a lot of these times I get to uh, have guests on and it's it's really fun. And I don't know them very well and I get to meet them and, and learn a lot we about them. We go back quite a ways. We actually go back a ways. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten to I've gotten to see a lot, but uh, I I don't want to put the cart before the horse here. Um, if for folks who don't know, Silverstream Media is uh, putting together a little game called Glitch Hikers. Space between. Wait, no, it's not space. It is uh the spaces between. Thank you. See, Walker's the professional around here. I just I'm just hamming <laughs> it up. Um, we're gonna talk about a lot of liminal spaces tonight. But uh, Glitch Hikers, The Spaces Between is a run-up of 2014's Glitch Hikers, now called Glitch Hikers First Drive. Which, if you haven't played, the demo's on silverstring.itch.io, and I, I highly recommend it. This is uh, an extremely great experience, and it's 20 minutes long, you know. Or, you know, actually, you should take, you should spend 40 minutes with it. You should spend an hour with it. You should spend a lot of time in a car moving. Uh, it's just really <laughs> relaxing. And in the interim, for the last seven years between the first Glitch Hikers release and now, uh, Silverstring Media has been putting on a, a, a whole showcase, a slew of uh, what some might call like, uh, where is it? What, what some might call like a consultancy of sorts, but I would say uh, are project makers, shakers, and builders. Uh, just the, the number of projects that y'all have put together at this point is staggering. Uh, <laughs> between the stuff that you've done since Glitch Hikers, especially uh, Book of the Dead was something I was a huge fan of. As that well takes as, back. <laughs> right? <laughs> Flow Weaver and... Uh, but then also the work that you did putting together things uh, for Wandersong, for Celeste, and for one of our favorites around here, Manifold Garden. Yes, is... we... <laughs> interrupt, <Sorry>. interrupt, interrupt, interrupt. <laughs> no, 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 go uh, for it. <laughs> no, those were uh, great projects that we got to uh, 
you know, have a have a small hand in uh, some some consulting, a little writing, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, very honored to be part of mm-hmm, yeah. uh, such amazing. Well, the real pleasure sure. has been while we're mm-hmm. putting together kind of larger projects, as you say, um, like Flow Weaver, uh, VR multi dimensional room escape game, uh, or Glitch Hiker Spaces Between. Um, Mm -hmm. we are, uh, you know, also honored to be able to offer some small narrative design consulting or in in the case of something like Manifold Garden, a little bit of architectural consulting, which was very fun for me because I always love chatting about architecture. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really a pleasure to be able to touch on so many great games and they're already great before we get even kind of brought into it, but to be able to contribute a little bit help polish things up. It's it's a real pleasure, and it's definitely work we hope to continue doing. Well, you've also done bigger projects. You've, you did an entire Neverwinter Nights module, too, with we Dark did. Dreams of Fourier. Yes, yeah, that was, uh, uh, that was a very interesting and very fun, fun project, for sure. Uh, it sort of came out of nowhere, but we were super thrilled to be able to put that together. Oh, yeah, just building legacy type projects out of, <laughs> you know, it, it's awesome. It's cool to see. Well, thank you. And just I'm I'm a big old fan, but uh, that that's neither here nor there. I I want to dig a lot tonight. And I know Walker does, too, uh, into what it's like okay. building glitch hikers. Uh, because glitch hikers is. is uh, <sighs> It's a not a, it's a space, you know, it's a space that you you are in. And the biggest part for me is that that space consists of like 500 different parts. It's it sounds, <laughs> it's audio, it's spoken text. It's what you're seeing at any given time. It's the framing of shots that are going by either in a car or now in this new one in a, in a train in in other places like <laughs> putting these spaces together is extremely specific and so uh walker uh could you uh just ask our, your first question here because I, th- I think it's a good way to get people into the mindset <laughs> of uh glitch hikers okay yeah uh well first of all i actually wanted to thank you both uh to agree come talk to us because um someone mentioned you guys go way back and i'm actually um in a way like here thanks to glitch hikers because it was one of the first games that i found that i thought to be like so unique that i thought i would like to help people find games like this and like try to look Uh at them more from a like more thoughtful perspective you know because games this unique usually get regarded more as like product stuff and i think that's kind of a disservice when you're making like something really experimental and unique like glitch hikers so uh yeah, it's a really big honor for me to be talking to oh, you guys uh, continuing the project in a way. Yeah, thank you so uh, much. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, and I, I wanted you guys, if you could tell us uh, more or less, like, what is the, the main idea behind, like, the new one? Uh, you've mentioned, like, it is like a liminal space sort of thing. But exactly what is that you are trying to build in, like, this new project? What is, like, the main aim? Lucas, would you like to give the quick rundown? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, in the original Glitch Hikers, as, as Solon mentioned, now rebranded as Glitch Hikers First Drive, uh, it was all about trying to um, create 
the experience of driving alone on a highway late at night and sort of all that that entailed from sort of weird music playing on, you know, NPR or whatever to uh, conversations being about the kinds of things that like your late night mind wanders to when it's, you know, two in the morning and you're alone on the highway. Um, and with the new project, we wanted to just expand that concept to, to more areas, um, you know, expand the amount of content that there was in, in conversations and, and music, um, but also explore other kinds of journeys. One of our, one of my favorite things that sort of led to the spaces between was when we first released, uh, first drive, you know, we'd, we'd sort of pitch it to people and say, okay, you know, that feeling when you're alone on the highway late at night, just driving and your mind is wandering. And, you know, 80% of the people we would talk to would say, yeah, totally. And I'd say, that's what the game that we're making. It's all about that. And they'd be like, oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> and then the other 20% would say like, you know, oh, I don't drive. And I'd be like, oh, well, um, well, anyway, you get it. Uh, and, and, so, and so one of the things that, you know, we, we were thinking about is, is, you know, especially outside of North America, which is such a, you know, car centric culture, um, a lot of other places aren't, you know, Europe certainly isn't, but, you know, people have a lot of train rides and we're like, oh, like, what if we could do like, you know, Glitch Hikers train journey or something and, and do the same kind of things like, you know, a long cross country overnight train ride has, has a lot of similarities with that sort of late night drive, uh, potentially, uh, certainly from sort of a, a structural point of view, from a metaphorical point of view of the, you know, going on this journey, being in this liminal space between destinations, um, and so that was sort of the the seed that became the spaces between. It was one of those things that we were always like, we could revisit this. There is more we can do with this idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's sort of what, yeah, what it grew it, out it's of. It's really interesting because, um, you know, it's really exciting because as much as the original game felt super experimental, and by the original game, I mean the first drive, um, felt very experimental it's uh, still something that feels very much like we're raw and experimenting with new ideas in uh, the spaces between. And to be able to both extend what we already know worked and to push it further and to um, expand its kind of reach and kind of the accessibility of it, and we'll get probably more into some of the other ways we've expanded the accessibility of the experience. But to be able to do that while also kind of coming at the same question, but from entirely different angles of like this liminal space that's both common and familiar and mundane and also magical and potentially transformative, uh, finding and kind of exploring the magic of everyday mundane spaces that we pass through all the time. And yeah, like I, I, I think that it's been a real pleasure to uh, continue this conversation and to see how this conversation has evolved over the last seven years. I mean, I certainly didn't think that, you know, seven years after the first drive, people would be kind of like, yeah, of course we get it. Like, it's not only a game about driving alone late at night and, you know, it's got limited interactivity, but that doesn't mean it's not a game, but also it's a space as you kind of let off with. 
uh, I think the fact that people are approaching games from that mm-hmm. vantage point is really exciting to me because it's something that I've always approached games uh, from that that standpoint, that interest in them as spaces um, and players thinking of them more as inhabitants. And that's definitely another major inspiration of what we're trying to do here is really regard the people who are going to be coming into these spaces, into these journeys with a lot of care. No, that's that's fascinating. I was the moment Lucas said that uh, this was about investigating more than just driving spaces because not everyone has that experience. It makes so much sense. Uh, and I, as I've seen from some demo playthroughs uh, that of the new glitch hikers, there's a lot of different spaces. And uh, I guess I, I want to expand on that because um, between all the different spaces that you can inter- interact with, they all kind of construct levels in way more of a conventional sense than glitch hikers mm-hmm. originally was like. And I want to know how that process gets built in. You have, so to give some clarification, to start this whole thing out, you, you start in a little hub area, which is a delightful, not liminal, but also kind of liminal space. It's, it's the hub between all of these <laughs> liminal spaces you're going to be investigating. So in and of itself, it is, it's you know, kind of some in-betweens. Um, but... It's so it's look Uh i said at the top of this podcast we're gonna say this word a lot um but you're just you're in between a lot of places and while i don't know okay you know what let's get to the beat of this there's a deep irony inside of glitch hikers because you're in liminal spaces or or things that are considered liminal spaces but those uh Uh you're investigating them directly you're not you know, floating. These are spaces we are usually floating through, like driving a car, riding a train. These are places that we as people usually just close our eyes and stuff happens around us. <laughs> uh, or don't close your eyes when you're driving. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> if, it's, if you're tired, you know, you could pull over. Um, but you're not idly going through these spaces as glitch hikers you are investigating the space directly like with a magnifying glass and so i'm wondering like how architecturally do you get this transition between uh something that's more experimental like the original glitch hikers where you just you you put the player in the space they just they they're forced to do it immediately versus Glitch hikers, uh, the the newest version of things, being a more guided experience. Well, I definitely want to let Lucas talk a little bit about this some more, but I'll just say that, like, um, you know, one of the other early ideas we had was this idea of you know starting at a convenience store or something like that, playing with these ideas of liminality on multiple levels leaning into these, as you say, deep ironies, like that was definitely something that we were also interested in. And that plus this idea of, okay, we want to expand into the train and do things that are kind of adjacent to what we were originally exploring, but beyond that dot, 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 kind of set up this structure for us to think about, okay, like what other spokes are there off of this hub and i think in some ways it kind of naturally lent itself a little bit of that structure as we approach the task 
Yeah, like I mean, you know, you say the 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 hub being sort of a destination, you know, not not so much a liminal space, in, except insofar as in the game, it's it's between the journeys. But at the same time, you know, a a late night convenience store or you know roadside stop, which is basically what this is, is its own kind of liminal space too, right? Like you mm-hmm. don't, I mean, you can you know go to the convenience store as sort of your destination and and be in that space, but more often it is part of a transition between things as well. Um, but a big part of what Glitch Hikers is about is not just uh, you know investigating the space itself, investigating you know what is it like to be on that that drive. Um, but it's about liminality in sort of the anthropological sense too. This the transition between states, which is really what liminality is, and uh, you know, and, and what Glitchhikers is doing is is creating this experience for the player, creating this space for them to be in, in order to have some kind of experience in order to have some kind of you know potentially transitionary experience uh the conversations that you have with the hikers that you that you pick up in the car or meet elsewhere you know are are there to help sort of guide introspection for the player and you know we hope that that at the end of it um you're coming out of that experience you know, maybe you've learned something new about the world, or maybe you've learned something new about yourself uh, in in how you sort of have interacted with these characters or heard their perspectives and and that kind of thing. So that's such a key part of it too, and and that's sort of the the transitionary mm-hmm. element yeah. of liminality. I I see. Yeah. No. Um, that gives me a lot to think about, especially with regards to. Uh, Claris, you you've done a lot of talks, uh, especially at like Ludonericon and uh, other fellow traveler type events about uh-huh. architecture in narratives. And uh, before I get off of the the structure of the levels themselves, how does that architecture change now that you're no longer in a car? Uh, where your your interaction points are, you know, listening to the radio and having a, a passenger, a glitch hiker alongside you that you communicate with. How does that change between the other levels? I actually would like to add something similar, something to this question, because um, I actually didn't know about this aspect of you designing with architecture in mind. And that became really interesting to me, because when I run my dumb analysis of, like, the original glitch hikers, one of the things that stood out to me is that a highway is, like, a very anonymous place. Like, yeah, there's mountains and forests, but, like, you don't really take that into account when you take a long car ride, right? To you, the highway itself is, like, the only space that exists, and what surrounds you kind of blends together, so I'm actually really interested about how do you integrate architecture into what, to most people, tends to be just a fungible space that they don't really take into account. To them, what exists is, like, the lane forward, and the things to the side might as well not be there. So how do you take that and make it a tool for them to inhabit the space that you want them to? That's, I mean, these are all really interesting and, and uh, good questions. And like, I just want to, again, start by saying like how happy I am. Like, this is really all I ever wanted was to have these kinds of conversations about the nature of game spaces and like a lot of. <laughs> Claris, I've been, I've been holding this in for seven years, dog. It was not even really a fully formed hope. But it was like the seed of a hope when we were making this game that yeah. one day people would be chatting about 
games like this. And, you know, people aren't just talking about glitch hikers like this. I think this is an awareness that's really risen up amongst people no. who are, are interested in the form. And I think that's great. So anyway, sorry. Um, to answer the question, like, I think I need to address a couple other, like, deep ironies in this game. Because, like, we've already po- talked about one, which is, you know, you're in these spaces where a very anonymous, very, um, you know, fungible, as you say, or uh, very kind of unimportant trans- transi- transitory. And we're, you know, really investing, leaning in, looking inward and looking at and examining these spaces and what they do to us as inhabitants in them. And that's, you know, one interesting, uh, you know, irony is that, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at something that is often overlooked. I think another is that all games are liminal spaces and all games with, exist within a magic circle. And so in a lot of ways, a lot of the things that Glitch Hikers is doing, all games are also doing. So Glitch Hikers is and always kind of has been a commentary on games themselves. Um, and I think that that's another irony is that like as much as we're trying to create these spaces that we're really familiar with and get people to really look at what is it like to be in the architecture of, you know, the driver's seat or, you know, the architecture of a passenger train. What's that like as a space uh, and what's that like? What's it like to be an inhabitant in there? Um, you know, these are also not really what's going on. The actual interaction is you are playing a video game, uh, and there's so many layers of abstraction mm-hmm. that are going on. And I, I think, <laughs> as Lucas said, we want people to look inward too. We want people to use this as a mirror and as an opportunity and a jumping-off point to kind of take the plunge and to go, okay, whoa, whoa, normally I just kind of glance past all of this layered reality and all of this complicated, multifaceted thinking that I'm not really doing, but it's kind of just relaxing into as I focus on this game. But like, just take a second and think about this because this is totally bizarre. And again, that's all surrounding this, this notion of capturing what the actual experience of being in these spaces is like. So as much as it like physically and aesthetically is, you know, the car with the seats, the highway pushing you forward, um, you know, the experience of that when you're in a flow state is the same experience as being, you know, in a nice flow state of a chill video game, it turns out, and is similar um, to, you know, a lot of other anonymous liminal space and there's a kind of a, a similarity across these um these types of spaces and that, that they're all in one could approach these very wildly different spaces from the same lens uh, and i think that's something that surprised me was just like okay a recipe for creating this kind of meditative introspective space is car I mean, normally architects get all excited and nerdy about like, oh, cool. Car. I, how how can I create, mm-hmm. you know, these stirring spaces using geometry and, cast, you know, uh, patterns that are juxtaposed or shapes that are kind of resonating with others? Or you could just take a completely mundane space that people normally don't pay attention to at all and give them nothing but 
to pay attention to it. That'll do it. That was a very surprising kind of irony. Uh, if all you hear uh, is for me tone, to discover as well. Yeah. If if all you're <laughs> listening to is tone, it, suddenly that tone has so much more body to it mm-hmm. because all you hear is tone, right? To jump off what Clarice was saying about the you know you're not actually in the car, you're actually sitting at a computer playing a game. Uh, and what is that sort of space like? You know, one of my favorite things that we were able to do in the spaces between, uh, because we have so much more room for content, uh, is explore some of those <laughs> things more too. So like first drive had, um, you have three conversations over the course of a playthrough, but there are six possible conversations that you can have in the spaces between we have, uh, 50 conversations that you can have over the course of the game. And, uh, some of them like deal very explicitly with some of those questions. I mean, some of them talk about <laughs> architecture and the building of spaces, because of course they do. Uh, some of them talk about, you know, what's it like to to be interacting with a digital space and are digital spaces as real as physical spaces? Yes, of course. Um, and, and those kinds of things, you know, is, is digital real? Uh, can't can digital things be considered life? Uh, all of these things that that ultimately are quite, you know, meta conversations in the context of glitch hikers. But that's you know that's all glitch hikers is is one big sort of one big metaphorical whatever. Uh-huh. A game you could call it. In fact, call it that. <laughs> <laughs> please, seven years ago we were literally begging you. Please call it a game. <laughs> This has been very exciting to me because, like, just like in the answers mm-hmm. to different questions, you guys have already been answering a bunch of doubts I had about the original game. <laughs> like, uh, one of the things that I had on my list of questions for this interview was about the radio voice. Because I'm not American, if it's not obvious <laughs> from my accent. So I was like, that's a very strange affect. And, like, I hear that in, like, Alan Wake, and I saw this film about a haunted highway recently called Southbound. And it's a very specific tone of a smooth, spooky radio man. And it makes me question, what is that, you know? Uh, what is that specific thing that all of these works are referencing? Mm-hmm. And Solon said, and you said earlier, well, it's NPR. And it makes me think about how you said you added the train and the park in a way to make the experience, um, make an analog of the experience for people who don't drive. And I found that very curious because it is, in a very mm-hmm. strange way, a strange space that also feels natural to us. And as a consequence, we don't pay that much attention to it. Mm-hmm. One of the metaphors or reference I have for when something is quite strange is like the feeling of waking up at like 4am when you're a child and you start switching through the channels you never watch and you find really strange foreign shows that you have no idea what they are. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That gives me a strange sense of unreality and I wanted to know if you could tell us about this decision. Um... The addition of the terminal in a way lands the game in at least a certain amount of physicality because you are parting from the initial hub to somewhere. Whereas, you know, in the original Glitch Hikers, you started in the middle of the car drive, and when it ended, you didn't arrive anywhere, it just cut to black, right? Oh, I arrived somewhere. You are adding a sense of initial physicality to this game that is about (laughs) examining the spaces in between concrete locations, in a way. Yeah. Go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, I mean, you know, to to some extent... You know, there's there's certainly a, a a practical aspect of that, right? Like, we need a way for you to decide where to go next or what what journey to embark on when we have more than just 
the one, right? The original one is just the one. You start the game, you play it, you stop, you can do it again, but you sort of have to start from the beginning. And, and this, we have, you know, more options and things like that. So we wanted to, you know, in, in true form, make that its own space, um, you know, another space between things, between journeys. Um, you know, early on, we talked about even having, you know, a lot of our sort of menu options be more diegetic and things. We, we do have an extensive menu, as it turns out, but... Um, you know, that, that was always sort of the, you know, it, it's certainly a thing of convenience. We needed a place to do that. And, and we wanted to, to embody it. We didn't want it to just be like, oh, you open up Glitch Hikers and you go, you click on the button that says drive and you start the drive or you click on the button that says train. Um, we wanted to have it be a space because that's also sort of its own setting and it's its own experience for people, you know, hanging out at a at a convenience store, a roadside stop kind of thing. Um, and we have characters there that are now... Uh, the the clerk character especially who's there to help sort of shepherd you into the journey um, you know give you context for what you're doing um, there's some little video gamey elements of uh, you know have you met all of the different hikers and stuff that you can do there mm-hmm. um, so there's there's a lot going on that was that was of interest to us and 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 part of it too was uh, this question of of wanting to make it as accessible to as many different people as possible, I think. You know, we've we've done this in a lot of ways in in the new game, um, from you know various options to help with um, accessibility and, and disability questions, um, you know, content questions. Uh, also tutorialization and then in in the original game we sort of give you all the controls right up the front and we tell you all the things you need to know well now we have more controls because there's more journeys um but so now we actually we keep the controls on screen at all times so that like if you're not a gamer and you don't know that w goes forward because why the heck does w make you go forward uh we want to make sure that that's there for you to to see so that you know people who aren't quote-unquote gamers um, you know, can can come into it as well, and 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 the hub zone allows us to tutorialize a bit more, to have a, a softer opening into the game, and to make it clear that there's more content. Right? If we just threw you into the drive first thing, which is we actually started this way, uh, you went through the drive once, and then you would end up at the hub, and you could you know choose your next journey from there. People would go through the drive and maybe think that that was it and not wait to see that there's the hub and that there's more things. So we wanted to make sure that, you know, you had this sense of this sort of central area, oh. you know? Yeah, that, that was a really interesting surprise yep. because, of course, we, um, you know, we expected people to get to the end of the kind of first driving journey of the expanded game, the spaces between, and be like, oh, wow, that was great. I hope there's more. Oh, there is more. And be like amazed uh, because, you know, one of the big cries uh, when we made the first drive seven years ago was I want it. I want more. We want, you know, it to go longer. Mm -hmm. Um, And also what's with all these weird short art games anyway. Don't they know it's a dollar per hour? Um, And the idea that like people were greeting the same length of experience seven years later be like that was satisfying and complete and i appreciated it thank you very much that was a good video game goodbye like no 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 there's more there's more come back Uh, (laughs) it's just quite a quite a change um but i also before we move on i i want to talk uh, a little bit about other ways that the space is kind of intertwined because we've got this nexus uh this starting uh place the uh the convenience store um We've also got 
the hikers that you can meet, sometimes across multiple journeys, seeing them again, you know, it's sometimes in a specific sequence to give them an arc. And so there's connections between journeys in that yep. regard. But there's also connections between journeys, mm. like actually architecturally and in terms of level design. We found interesting and fun ways to reference the other spaces and other modes of travel in the game from within other journeys. And I'm really excited for players as they get more uh, hands on the game to discover mm. the ways in which the space is kind of laid out and internally consistent across all of these strange reality bending wait, modes. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, Hold what? on. What? Huh? Huh? what? You're you're telling me that all of those places that so I'm watching the train sequence and and every couple of stops you hear a lovely voiceover uh, tell you which area you're in and you can hit the space bar and it gives you a big like beautiful outwards shot of the entire train as it's in transit. It's, it looks really cool. Uh, but you're saying that those are all like <laughs> those intertwine with the other routes that you can take while you're doing I'm glitch hiking. I not say more. It, it's it's not like I didn't. Don't say any more. You know what? I've heard too much. <laughs> I'm just all right. I I'm recognizing what level you're you're playing at. All right, I'll respect that more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Now we have something to look out for. I was I was just gonna rattle off like oh these accessibility design options are they're really cool they're really nice they're, you can change pretty much everything on screen size and uh and control the sound and music but then you have all the filters for any kind of uh, narratives that are happening inside there's tons of different ways you can filter out and exclude specific topics that may be hard to handle for certain folks um I I was good those are all. Those are all incredible. That's all awesome. But you're telling me that the train is going somewhere? I mean, the train is always going somewhere. This game oh. is always taking you somewhere, probably. Oh. That's a train at every point is also somewhere. God. See, that's the thing. The difference here the star on the Starlight car, when you're on this podcast, I, I don't know. We're, we're not going anywhere. This is, this is great. We're going everywhere and nowhere. It is funny that they're in a train-themed uh, oh, yeah. website interview, right? I forgot to formally uh, uh, introduce you to the Starlight Car as as we are in the video game Choo Choo. We're on we're on the train. You have a train level in your video game. <laughs> we're right at home here on this Choo Choo as well. It gets. Yep. Mm -hmm. We're beyond the caboose <laughs> on this one. Uh. Yes, I mean, speaking of, uh, how do you, hmm, this is just an easy baseball question. How do you come up with all these spaces? With uh, the, You're going through the train car. Folks will see this uh, in the demo when they play it. Uh, some of them train cars ain't cars, are they? No, we have, uh, yeah, there's some, there's some space bending that happens. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things that we we wanted to do is make sure that we kept the weird um because that's you know part of what made first drive i think you know interesting and, and what it was doing is like you're not just driving around late at night and then you pick up a hitchhiker and have a conversation you know the hitchhiker teleports into their car uh and then teleports away again and there's this question of like was was that real like did that actually happen mm -hmm. um 
you know, we, we sort of set up this thing of like, is is this whole game a dream? Is it a hallucination? Is it, you know, what what is it? And and we never answer that question. Um, you know, there's no there's no canonical answer to that question, quote unquote canonical. Um, and we wanted to sort of keep a lot of that elements. And then you know, some of the characters that you pick up are aliens or ghosts or something um and so again this question of like ah, is this actually happening and you can even ask them you know that to some extent like i don't believe that this is happening right now um and so we want to just definitely keep a sense of that because it's those things that shake you out of the expected it shakes you out of reality and opens you to you know, new ideas, new experiences opens you to like, okay, well, I have no idea what to expect now, so bring it on. Um, and so, you know, we have some of that in, in all of the, the journeys. And, and so, you know, the train is certainly one where, you know, we do some space bending and, and stuff like that. Um, and again, you know, doing something that we did with, with the original that we're very much doing, like way more so with, with this one, I think, is this idea of... Um, divination essentially within the game uh is sort of uh secular divination and and i'm sure claire can talk about this more but this idea that we are we are creating a space for you to draw meaning um like any you know tarot reading or something it's you know it's randomized elements from which you can draw meaning uh and so you know we have what hikers do you pick up and what are their conversations about? But we also have, you know, what is the environment like around you? Um, and we're introducing more of those kinds of things. So like, yeah, you're walking through the train and suddenly you're in the middle of a city and then you're back on the train. What does that, you know, what does that make you feel? What does that do to your experience of this particular space? And uh, same with the the train stops, as you mentioned, you know, the, the conductor comes on and, and announces some train stop, like weep, Weeping Falls. We were doing a playthrough the other day uh, and we were, you know, the, the player was in the middle of a conversation that was quite emotional, quite sad at times. And then, you know, the train stop comes up that they're coming up to Weeping Falls. And it was like this really poignant little moment created through <laughs> largely randomness but but creating meaning out of that is, is all about oh, which, yeah, what like, glitchhikers is that that's type of divination yeah, the, yeah. The, the biggest the biggest game mechanic in the first drive was apophenia which is the human brain's capacity to find patterns and meanings and random noise and meaningless patterns um and like really pushing that forward and finding new ways to layer that so that so many things are moving definitely in the uh first drive as well as in the space between a lot of the decisions and actions that the player makes have direct impacts in some cases directly like impacting and uh changing the music uh but for every direct Mm -hmm. you know ripple that's through your motion or your interactions. There's a ton of other cascading wind and noise and randomness and decks being shuffled and kind of redealt all the time. And I think that that's, I mean, really that that's how a lot of divinatory tools work, you know, besides just leveraging apophenia, apophenia, the, 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 the human ability to read, you know, meaning in the tea leaves, so to speak. Uh, you know, it's about having a lot of complexity that's mostly screened from view 
that occasionally shows itself. And in that way, also, to kind of approach this from a different standpoint than just kind of divina- divination for people who, you know, that's not their, their bag. It's also kind of simulating hyperobjects, the way that extremely complex phenomena that we're constantly being faced with, like climate change. They fade in and out of our view. We're aware of them. We see different parts of them, but we can never see the whole. And we struggle to comprehend the whole. But it's essential for us to, because we're moving through a world and a reality full of hyperobjects that are constantly changing things and, you know, interacting with us and we're interacting with them. And I mean, that's the world we live in. Uh, we're making more hyperobjects all the time, as well as confronting uh, some that are ancient, like, you know, the solar system and the laws of physics. Uh, but I think that mm-hmm. those dynamics, like, are also being simulated. And to some extent, the same kind of soft focus that the the spaces, the gaps that we leave for the player to interpret, you know, was that a dot, 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 there was time that's cut out, you know, between that train car and then when you're suddenly in the city or was there a city inside the train car or whatever, like it's up to the player to decide. They're filling in those gaps. <laughs> I mean, that's part of the gameplay in, in a lot of senses. Um, but beyond just asking players to fill that gap, um, we're also, oh, nope. Speaking of trains, my train of thought just kind of left the station without me, and I. I... Hey, that's okay. I can yeah, I can sure. help pick that up for you. You want to come along my train? We got a derail. No, that's that's okay. That's one of the. I think that's one of the better answers we've gotten in an interview in the show so far. I that was so. It got me thinking because uh, a lot of your work has that interpretive. Uh, style to it. All the way, I mean, even uh, Celeste, part of your work was writing Mr. Oshiro, right? The uh, the hotel oh, manager? We just offered consulting on Which that character. Um, and there was a little bit of writing I in see, there. I, see. But, uh, I think it was mostly... Hmm. It's just funny that that's how it landed of all places, because that's the most interpretive space in Celeste. You're not climbing the mountain. You're, you're taken away from the mountain in that specific yeah. case. Uh, but uh, especially in in a lot of your other work, there's that uh, idea of divining things mm-hmm. from from chaos, right? And that's why I think I'm so excited to see. Uh, it it's almost easy. Uh, it's not. This is a little reductive. Uh, it's easy. <laughs> To throw someone into, uh, you know, strap them into a car and make them ride your funny little chaos rocket and make them interpret stuff. But the, the, the ask that you're asking out of a player changes when they're in a train and they have to move, move and maneuver that space themselves. So how do you get that same effect because the, the original Glitch Hikers really hits you hard because it's all happening to you and there's not really you know, a way to th- whether you see things or don't see things, they're all happening. Now in the train, you have more agency. And so I'm wondering how that changes things. I, I have a little addition to ask. Um, is there an option? Cause I-, I have to assume some people would do that. Sometimes I've done that to just 
sit in your seat in the train, right? And be like an apathetic prick <laughs> for like the whole 40 minutes. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, there's a, there's a couple things there, right? Like one is, uh, to, to directly answer that question, you can just sit in the seat and look out the window. Aww. And part of any good train ride is to just sit in the seat and look out the window at the, you know, the train going past. That's why we have those like interesting, um, you know, locales that you pass in the train. Um, that you know you can you can see it's not just sort of the same train over and over again. Sorry, we, we've we've done this before in meetings where somebody is saying <laughs> either train or terrain, and it sounds exactly the same. So I should be careful. Um, uh, so you can, and, and we actually have some some fun little things where the music will will come up, up come up a bit more if you are just sort of sitting and looking out the window. Um, uh, ultimately, you have to choose when the journey ends like there's no timer on it you know the the even the drive where you you know it's, it's much more structured there is sort of a, a designated end to it if you just sit there with a passenger in your car for the entire for you know a long period of time you could just sit there for a long period of time um so there's no like you know oh 30 minutes is up we're booting you off the train now you you choose when you are sort of done that journey um but to solon's question about you know the you know, movement in the train or, or having it be different. Once we decided we wanted to do more types of journeys, right? Certainly this idea of not everyone drives, so let's put a train in there. What else can we do? We have a, a walk is another big one, a walk at a park. We we decided that all of them needed to be different. And all of them needed to be different in a lot of ways, but mechanically different as, as a big part yep. of that. Because the whole idea of constructing a journey, the whole thing that we did with First Drive was making every element of the game trying to cre- recreate that experience of driving alone late at night on a highway, right? You can speed up, you can slow down, you can change lanes, you can't drive off the road, right? It's not like a you know GTA or something <laughs> where you can just go go wild because you don't. Right? Like, if you're driving along a highway, you don't just careen off the road at a random place. We don't do that. That's not what that experience is actually like. That's a very video gamey thing to do. Um, and so that, you know, that was very much part of the mechanical decision for first drive. Give you a little bit of control, but not a lot, because that's that experience. And so when we look at, you know, the train or we look at the walk or, or these other journeys, that was a big part of the consideration. What are the mechanics for this space? What are the mechanics that make sense for for this kind of experience that are distinct from the others? And it comes into play in the conversations you have, too, because uh, when you're in a car, conversation is happening alongside you. But when you're in a train, you're having direct conversation. You're having eye contact. Ah, that is a very good point. Yes. <laughs> And so uh, writing for that space, writing for conversation that you're going to have direct eye contact with and have body language for and stuff is that's going to change things in, in weird ways. And from what I've seen, it seems like those are shorter conversations, but then they they loop around. They, they come back. You have multiple conversations with many people. And you kind of have to, like, carry those conversations along with you, um, juxtapose them off each other yeah, and, and, and stuff like that. Well, and, and, and that became part of the this sort of mechanical question, too, of, you know, how can we structure these conversations differently for each journey in a way that makes sense 
for that journey or furthers the metaphor of that journey, if you will. Um, and so we, we put a lot of thought into, you know, what are the overall moods of each of these journeys? You know, we have sort of the drive as our starting point. It's sort of this chill, nighttime, weird conversations, etc. Um, you know, mind wandering on the train, you know, a train is all about sort of a collective journey. You might not all be going to the same destination, but you're all going in the same direction. Uh, and we have, you know, the conductor even talks about that because we're, we're not subtle. Um, and so, <laughs> and so the conversations in the train are, you know, each individual conversation is a little bit shorter, but like you say, you, you end up having multiple uh, conversations with each hiker. Each one gets a little deeper um, because it's, it, the train is about sort of this, this safe space uh, we're all here together. We're all here supporting each other. We're all going in the same direction. And so you can get into conversations that are a little bit deeper, a little bit, uh, um, you know, there's conversations that get into to grief and, um, you know, really personal topics and really personal stories uh, because we've sort of cre- created it as this safe space um, versus uh, the the walk in the park. Uh, which is all, you know, there's winding paths through the park and you have to stay on the path, but there's branches all over the place you can explore. And so every conversation there has uh, one major branching point uh, where the conversation can go in one direction or, or another before sort of coming back to the same spot, which is just, you know, it's a fun sort of narrative design uh, element to to mirror what's happening in the, in the, larger, mm-hmm. uh, in the larger metaphor. Uh, we definitely mm-hmm. took that, like in mind when we were creating the structures for the conversations in each mode too so that they're like you know we did write the conversations differently not just to kind of intersect with the mechanics but to also have a certain thrust or structure that is um complementary to the kind of mode of movement and the other other flow of the game uh because i mean one of the things that people complimented the first drive um, about a lot is is how, while it's doing all of these things to kind of sell this experience of driving alone late at night, it's also a metaphor for so many other things, including like how narrative works in games in general, writ large. Um, and, you know, we wanted to make sure that that kind of reading would carry through in other modes, but also just you know, going back to how this thing actually works. So much of it is creating layers with, you know, valid interpretations, you know, like a player could take it in that direction and then just leaving enough in there that's intentional to give evidence and then the rest leave it vague or, you know, have uh, symbols that kind of gesture in that direction, but maybe don't say something clearly and then that's all that people need in order to feel kind of that their uh, metaphorical reading is validated. In a lot of respects, all we're trying to do is provide people with a space to reflect and to validate that process. It's an important process. Yeah. I I guess I'm interested in the the meta design of, of being on a train, being in a car, and, and being on a walk uh, just because there's – such a difference in like you said like the safety of the train car there's definitely Mm -hmm. like part of the edge that is inherent to the original first drive glitch hikers is that because you're in a car there's a level of uh there's a level of like 
consensuality to what you are doing. Like you have to be hurtling your body at 60 miles, I guess, what, uh, 80 kilometers an hour on a highway? 100? 100? <laughs> How big do numbers get? 100. Yeah, 100 kilometers an hour. <laughs> uh, you have to, you know, you have to drive on the right side of the road or else, you know, bad things happen. There's mm -hmm. danger to it, you know? And then when you get to the train, that's all, that's taken away. You don't have to worry about any of that. Instead, you're, you're you know, with strangers uh, and you have to share that space. And that's kind of the, the limit to the consensuality of the space is that you, you are, uh, you have to share this space with people you don't know and multiple people you don't know. Um, mm -hmm. you don't get that luxury of the privacy that is being invaded by a glitch hiker. Um, and then I would figure on a walk, you know, you're just born to the elements. That's <laughs> your, whatever happens, happens when you're on a walk. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there is a, like a, a more in vague, like hostility to meeting someone in a park at night. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> there is no, that act of trust of, yeah, I'll give you a ride. Like if you meet someone at night in a park, there is this five seconds where you're like, are they going to stab me? Yeah, you're, you're fight or flight. No, that's valid. Is, is, is this going to turn sour? And you can, uh, uh, in, in the, in the park, just, just like every, you know, each mode has their own mechanics for everything. Each mode has their own mechanics for how sort of music functions. And in the park, you're listening to an MP3 player that you can pause or unpause as you go. And actually, if you want to actively talk to someone in the park, you have to pause your MP3 player. Because you can't oh, that's so hear them cool. over over your headphones, so you have to pause the music or the podcast that you're listening to, and just hear the sounds of nature around you in order to have that conversation. And so it becomes then also a very active thing. You choose if you want to speak to that person, and you have to you know go through these steps in order to do so. If you you know yeah. if you want to, you can just walk on past. Yeah, the park in Glitch Hikers is a magical fantasy place where nobody tries to talk to you when you've got headphones in and no one will ever stab you hey what a magical circle <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know i actually wanted to talk like uh, break it back a little bit, bit a little bit from the big metaphors and ask something a bit more game design related because uh you guys have been answering all the questions that we had ready to go before we asked them because you're all very thoughtful people. Uh, but you mentioned uh, one of the things that I, I thought a lot about the original Thirst Drive. Um, you mentioned there is no moment in which uh -huh. the, the person gets in your car and there is no moment when they leave. They just kind of appear next to you and when you reach the point where the conversation ends, they just disappear. And that brings to this sense of like unreality. Mm -hmm. And obviously the game is built around this vaguely ethereal feeling i think it communicates that very well but for example i always thought well it's like a low recesses game they didn't want to animate models getting in and out <laughs> uh and that that makes me wonder like how when you are making something that's supposed to inhabit this sort of unreal feeling how do you balance what some people will assume is just common sense and what other people will take as just actually selling that feeling of unreality it's a really interesting question um you know there, there are certainly things that we do because of scope reasons and, and whatnot as well um but but i think ultimately for us it kind of comes down to the idea that uh there is no wrong way to experience glitch hikers 
like whatever your interpretation of what is happening is is valid um and so you know if if you're interpreting that as oh that's a weird thing uh we are in this space of unreality versus if you're interpreting that as oh they just didn't want to animate that which is very fair uh we did definitely back then we didn't have those resources um you know those those are both valid readings and and ultimately you know we do so many different things Clarice is talking about sort of the, the complexity of the systems uh which to some extent is just we're doing a lot of stuff at once that may or may not connect to each other, but ultimately creates a much richer sort of tapestry of, of what's happening. You know, you might not interpret them teleporting into the car or appearing in the car or you hallucinating them in the car or whatever it is in the same way as whether, you know, what we intended or how other people might've interpreted it. Um, But also, you know, it's an alien. So we're still in the realm of unreality in in some sense, right? Like we have all these different ways, you know, the the D- radio DJ sounds like he's talking mm-hmm. directly to you at times. Uh, you know, we have all of these different things that are that are there's you know, one of the things that uh, we we've looked at being like, "Oh, this is really interesting that that I don't know that anyone has ever really commented on is on the highway um, there are no exits until the end at least. Uh, and there is no other direction. There's no highway going the other direction that you can see. Wait, there's no contraflow traffic at all. Right. Uh, which, like, I don't know that a lot of people sort of notice, but it's, again, one of those things that's, like, you know, takes you into this realm. Yeah, well, I think we, we, we wanted, even from, the, you know, the, the first drive, we wanted this sense of, like, you have this power at your command, right? But it is a considerable power and you have to be kind of conscious in how you wield it. And of course, this power is a hunk of aluminum and steel and plastic with uh, small explosions and a giant engine block hurtling (laughs) through space, you know, with the help of aerodynamics. Oh, yeah, I've, I've... I've listened to the works yeah. of White Zombie. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree. <laughs> and so it's like, um, you know, we're familiar with this experience, but that danger that you brought up earlier is like present in our mind because we understand that this is a tool that you have to respect, that you have to have command over, um, that you're expected to kind of be the responsible wielder of. And that idea of like wielding, like, mundane but considerable power that also could take on a spiritual or uh, metaphysical reading Mm -hmm. is like uh, to some extent kind of the glue that holds the whole experience together Um, and thinking about how people approach those different types of power uh, and the different kinds of contracts that go along with that power you know what, what is the contract how do you appropriately wield a commuter train as a passenger you know well maybe by not being a jerk and by uh being considerate i don't know but like we and it really also just depends on the player i'm hope that somebody plays our game and has never been on a commuter train and like wow what a strange way to travel um so like we have no way of knowing precisely where somebody is going to be coming to the game so there's there's a certain amount of 
uncertainty and doubt we have to have about all of our assumptions about the kinds of players that we're going to have, especially because we want to cast a wider net and be more accessible and be more approachable than other games, perhaps. But I think beyond just having that uncertainty about who is playing the game, what kind of mindset they're approaching the game in, and having a bunch of options and ability to accommodate them, that those gaps in the narrative, those spaces where you have to fill it with logic or a story, or as you were saying, common sense, like those gaps are precisely where the narrative of the game lives. That's where the player is kind of injecting their own personality and their own unique spin on things. And how you get a player to accept this kind of stop motion, shutter stop, like aesthetic to a story where there's gaps all over the place. Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there's a real alchemy to it. And it, it's hard to describe, and I'm not sure if I fully understand it. I think I'm still learning about it as we've gone through this process and as we see how the game is received as more people play it, I think we'll be learning more still. But it definitely comes down to having an element of weirdness, letting players know that, hey, there is going to be this weirdness. You you should be on your toes. Um, Gets them engaged. uh, Shakes them out of their comfort zone. And then um, a whole bunch of other things cascading together um hopefully keeps the player where these gaps feel playful and inviting as opposed to confusing and bewildering and when that happens then your player's hooked in and they're an active participant in the storytelling and whatever happens is absolutely valid yeah I am just flawed every time we get an answer because it's like, yeah, you're all very thoughtful people. I, I am not surprised that you've managed to make like such a a unique experience with your game. Nah, that's that's what I remember from old glitch hikers. Just uh, at the end of the day, what what it comes down to is how do you grab the player? Which is the same question any game asks. So <laughs> there, there's just something so like you 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 enter the strange and bizarre. Uh, within glitch hikers, but uh, it does come around to building in, in a in a way that is familiar, you know, to to people who've played games or to, and to people who haven't. It's uh, it just works in both directions mm-hmm. in such a nice way. One of one of my favorite uh, things with first drive was seeing people do let's plays and going in completely blind uh, and being like, "Oh, a game about driving, cool," and then you know, being unable to control the car very much and being like, okay, this is interesting and weird. And then, you know, having these conversations and being like, okay, what's going on here? And by the end of the game, uh, I'm going like, wow, I did not know what to expect, but that was, you know, very meaningful. Uh, always, always fun to see that. Like, yeah. How, how do people come into it versus, you know, how do they experience it at the end? Uh- Nice, nice, quick little question. I, I know that me- much of the video game choo-choo audience is, is thinking this immediately. Uh, you said there was 50 different, uh, I guess, glitch hikers? Or there are, 50 different there are 50 different conversations that you can have with hikers. So there are there are 16 uh, unique 
hikers, characters that you will encounter on the journeys. Um, And then each one appears in multiple journeys between two and four of them. Um, So you will encounter the same character in in multiple places, having a different conversation in each one. So the math works out to to 50 total. Um, And some of them are, you know, you'll meet a character in, in multiple places and they'll have sort of you know, similar kinds of conversations. There's, you know, particular topics or ideas that each hiker uh, is is particularly interested in. Uh, and then some actually have uh, almost like character arcs across those three conversations. Uh, some you sort of have to have in a particular order, some you don't. Uh, so there's sort of a, a lot going on there. But yes, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to uh, to discover. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the The important part of this question, though, that I, that we need answered is how many of them are just a little guy? <laughs> There is there is at least one just a little guy. Uh, I think you could good. I, That's a good I think start. You could I think you could uh, uh, you know say that about several of them probably. Yes. <laughs> okay. That, that's cool. That's cool. I have another that's... easygoing question. Um, you know, when you think about like strange and and this the supernatural in a way, there's like two realms. I would say most people divide it in. You have like aliens and sci-fi weird stuff. And you have like ghosts and witches and stuff. Uh, and obviously, glitch hikers is a like a mix of both. But which side would you say it leans more towards? To <laughs> that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, we we play with a lot of weird that you might consider more on sort of the you know fantasy, almost horror kind of stuff. But ultimately, uh, probably more on the the sci-fi side of things. Partially, I say that because um, one of the things that we do in Glitch Hikers, one of my favorite things about writing a Glitch Hikers conversation, which was true of the original and and very true of, of the spaces between, is finding like that one weird fact that you can create a metaphor around. Uh you know, something about, uh, there's a character in the original that talks about, you know, elements of, of historical uh, ancient religions and, and mythology and stuff. And, oh, here's, you know, this particular thing. And how does that, you know, how do we interpret that these days? And how do we learn something from that? Um, and so we really find these, you know, often scientific facts because um, you know it, it relates back to the these, this idea of the cosmic sublime. You know, you look up at the stars and, and how does that make you feel? Um uh, a point that we always come back to is uh, Carl Sagan quote about how life is the universe's way of knowing itself. Um, and so these, these themes are so prevalent throughout all of the writing and all of the design, I think that, you know, we have these lots of cool little scientific facts and, and interesting things in there that, that give it that tone, I would say. Hmm. Well, uh, I'm just, I'm just food for thought, you know, just thinking about thinking through a lot of this stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, it takes a while to digest, doesn't it? It's like very, very good answers all throughout. <laughs> well, well, one thing I would love to loop back uh, and kind of answer a little bit more fully is uh, Walker's earlier question about, you know, how do you make these architectures? How do you approach them? Because like, you know, first of all, the answer is you think about all the stuff that we just said, <laughs> uh, and and you and you make that game. That's the important game to make, and as you don't want to stray far from those goals and get too in the weeds 
focusing on what you think you're making instead of making a video game that's doing those things with those ideas and places and uh, metaphors. Yeah. Uh, and so that that's one thing that's... I, if I'm not making sense, I think... It, I'll just say, like, it's easy when you're making digital spaces to get deeply consumed in the act of rendering as if real that space. When the reality of that space is probably not even actually the point of the experience. Maybe, even if it is, and you you go through all the rigmaroles, like, lovingly, painstakingly create, you know, the jungle landscape, most players are going to run through it at a breakneck pace, and their brain is just going to go, yep, that checks out. That's a deeply complicated rainforest with thousands of species. Cool, good, moving on. Yep. Um, and so you have to recognize how people actually perceive space, which is to say there's a lot of different senses going on, and they're actually, those senses aren't perceiving the whole, but a whole bunch of different parts. And then the experience of being in the space is the sum total of all those parts. And so, again, thinking about like, well, how do you make a space out of music? How do you make a space out of just reverb and room tone and a few bits of foliage falling around in the park? You know, both of those things, both together and separately, um, also are part of the total ingredients uh, to create, you know, our park, for example. Mm. And so... Partly that's what's making it so strange and fantastical is it's got all of these things kind of chiming in and out, uh, emerging, shuffling, having meaning kind of cascade and resonate across. But it's more than just a whole bunch of stuff happening. It's also really thinking about every aspect of this experience every aspect of this space is holding space for the player is kind of wrapping around them in a way um so it's not just about like confronting them with a rendered simulated reality that checks out and is convincing in fact if anything we want people to be like wait a second that doesn't check out i, I want to examine that further we want to kind of draw them in mm -hmm. But what we do want them to do is relax into the space and into the mood. And so a lot of what's happening isn't just the architecture that you see or the structures that you think about and that we talk about, but how the music, the sound, the lighting, all of these small, subtle things also congeal around each of these different journeys. Right. No, I, I see this a lot actually throughout Lucas's writing on a lot of characters is that um, the characters will be written in a way where their minds will start to wander before suddenly making a connection. Um, and it really vibes with where how I read and I'll be reading and my mind will start <laughs> to wander. And then suddenly I'll like zone in on something. It might be something completely different from what the conversation is, but there's just so many things to like make connections on around that, that mm -hmm. somewhere in between uh -huh. you, you, you connect these dots and, and something connects with something else. And like th there's a flow to it and it comes through in the writing and it comes through in the, the characters, like the ways that they'll talk in spaces. Um, it's, it's really neat. 
Yeah, uh, thank you. I mean, and, and a lot of the writing was, uh, you know, collaborative between me and Claris also. Um, sure, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's that that sort of wandering aspect to it was was really key to I mean the core concept. You know, even back in the original, which is the the late night aspect of it, right? Like it's the kind of conversation that you have when it's three in the morning and you are tired uh, and you're with your friends mm-hmm. that you've known for, you know, a decade or whatever, and you're just rambling about something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, you find some interesting kernel there or you, you know, get into your feelings about it or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so, you know, like I was saying before, that's, that's sort of a big part of, of writing them and finding those, metaphors that you can come back to we can say let's talk about this but then like how does that make us feel at the end of the day right mm-hmm. yep yeah I, and that actually oh, yeah. reminds me of um the answer about the architecture does actually to me reflect the writing in a way right like it's not about perfectly replicating the mountain it's about the the connection of the mountain and the room to and the colors and the the view from inside the car that congeals in this in this space and that sort of made me think of what you guys told us about the um, the meaning that one can derive from the game right because ultimately even if someone can interpret anything they want from the the contents of the game there is a certain amount of curation and deliberacy in what actually gets put into this space that they can then extract meaning from right? absolutely um and, and you know that's something that we've mm-hmm. talked about uh you know that we talked about about the kinds of writing that we would do and and this idea of creating a uh trying to create a universal experience right anyone could come to this and um whether they know games or not whether they're you know whatever background they're from and and hopefully find something in the game um and and every dialogue choice you have we want to make sure that there's you know a range of possible responses um you know how how do you how do you take what the hiker has said how do you you know what what are your values um but at the same time i mean it is it is curated right like you know we have characters who are uh, explicitly queer for instance and we don't give you the dialogue option to be a dick to them uh you know we don't <laughs> let you be be a homophobe um because that's not what we want to make. Um, but there are some characters where you can, you know, maybe ask questions. Um, we have a, a mm-hmm. character uh, mm-hmm. who is a wheelchair user in the game. who We had a lot of uh, great um, consulting on uh, from um, a consultant named Ace Tilson Ratcliffe, who was amazing. Um, and, and that character does, you know, talk about the experience of being disabled. And, you know, there are some dialogue options that you can say that, that the character sort of gets a bit, you know, justifiably upset about, like, why, why would, you know, what I'm trying to tell you is that's, you know, not the case or whatever. Um, uh, so that we can, we can also hold space for people to, um, you know, to, if, if they don't have experience with disabled folks, for instance, to, to have a, um, a, a bit of a learning experience, but in a very sort of real conversational way, you know, not like a, let me lecture at you for, for 10 minutes about mm-hmm. how to, you know, not be a dick or whatever. And also, oh, sorry. I was just going to say like, and also always making sure that there's enough connection and uh, looseness, even when we're talking about specific lived experiences to where, you know, both the hikers themselves are trying to have that me too, like early uh, 
meeting a stranger in a public setting, you're, you're trying to find those points of commonality. Um, so there's that going on, but I think also just trying to make sure that everything is loose enough to where, even when we're being specific, there's, uh, there's room for the player to kind of project themselves and their experiences into anything, any, into any dynamic. And I think that's also mm-hmm. important. And, um, and, sorry, go ahead. And I, <laughs> go ahead. We, we do this all the time. Oh, please. Um, uh, you know, and, and that's also, you know, one of the things that we do is, is bring it back to the weird and the surreal too, you know, not trying to get too deep into something that's a little like too real. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the character who's talking about, being disabled and what's that what that's like here on earth is comparing it to when they were on another planet uh and you know how how that planet dealt with with disability um and you know and then also the art that they were creating and the things that they were trying to do with that art um and so you know the character isn't this character is about being disabled um there's a much more you know richness to that to the character's story but also like oh and also you're talking about being like on another planet and doing things right what's up with that and so there's like all of these different pieces that a player can you know be drawn to uh or or take you know take something from over the course of of these conversations it's never sort of just just one thing um just just like every element of the game right the the music and the spaces and all these things that we've been talking about there's there's lots that you can try to connect to or that the game can try to connect with you um so that you know even if one particular thing doesn't resonate with you there's there's lots of other things that might and almost everything in the game is a launching point, you know, a place to to start. And almost everything ends with kind yeah. of a dot, dot, dot. And there's the expectation, and, and we very explicitly give the space and time to players to have those moments afterwards to process after a journey, after a conversation. Um, we, you know, we're really pleased with how much people took the writing that we produced for the first drive and ran with it and how much it was as provocative in a, in a productive way as we had hoped. Uh, that was really nice to see and it encouraged us to continue to do that and to really have the expectation that each conversation is this kind of springboard and we can let the player like take that and run with it and carry that baggage into subsequent conversations in a way that the conversation might not, or it might uncannily refer to exactly what you were just thinking. Holy crap. Whoa. How did that happen? Uh, well, lots of, lots of ways. Um, but in addition to that, even if the next conversation isn't about that, we recognize that the player is still carrying that baggage, those thoughts with them. It's kind of the snowball or this Katamari that builds up and something that we were really happy to be able to spend a lot of time doing for the spaces between was working with consultants on, you know, the mental health side, uh, working with an organization like Take This. Um, and also creating those spaces like the convenience store to not only be this functional nexus for you to navigate the experience, but also additional padding so that, you know, when you are shooting your thoughts out there and now your mind is racing and you're thinking about a whole bunch of heavy things and, uh, the fact that it's all a bit unreal and fantastical isn't keeping you grounded, 
there's other parts of the game. There's other spaces. There's moments held for you to be out there, to be brought back gently. And there are characters where you can say, hey, I'm having a hard time. Actually, that was really difficult for me. Uh, Can I talk about it? And that was something really important because we were were experimenting. We're still experimenting. There is a mode that we're still not talking about yet, but it's as experimental, at least, as the first drive was back seven (laughs) years ago. But as much as we're experimenting, we realize that we are... You know, with the first drive, <laughs> playing with powerful forces and asking people to kind of enter into mindsets that are potentially very vulnerable and meaningful to them. That's a good thing, but there's risk that's involved with that. And to really take time to create more space, safety mechanisms, etc. for players so that they can go into it with more confidence that the game is going to catch them. Uh, that was something really important to us. And... We're really looking forward to hearing from players how we did. That is, that's something you can really, it's something special that you can do in a game that you can't really in other scenarios and, and styles of performative media, just because you're spending so much time with it and you're spending time with, you know, designers who have made experiences for you to interact with. Um, that, that gets me very excited that, there is uh, more to come down the line that's way beyond what we've you know seen so far in demos and in in previews. I um, wanted to get to uh, we've talked a lot about how things have changed, uh, but there's also some things that have really <laughs> stayed the same. And I have maybe this is a weird question. Maybe this doesn't make sense, but <laughs> um, for the for the hiker heads out there, I've I've noticed that <laughs> some of the characters that you get to talk to, some of the hikers are similar to ones from the first drive. And I was just wondering, are they oh. the same people? Absolutely. <laughs> so so every, every hiker that you could encounter in the first drive has been uh, lovingly recreated and, and given a, a wonderful update for the spaces between. Oh, um, okay. In fact, the, all of the... With, with some, again, sort of edits and, and updates, all of the conversations that you could have in First Drive are also in the spaces between in the drive journey. Um, so we're sort of, you know, the you can you can go back and play the First Drive now if you want. Uh, it's, you know, a wonderful experience, and we, we encourage that. But that experience sort of also lives within the spaces between. Um, we wanted to, you know, ultimately make the spaces between sort of the... the full canonical experience with with everything within it um so all of those characters uh yes are are still here and um because we now have multiple journeys you can now meet them in other places as well and have further conversations with them and get to know those characters a little bit more wow that was entirely way more straightforward than i was expecting (laughs) (laughs) i I was kind of i was expecting like oh maybe you know like maybe those are canonically no that's cool that's that's really cool I, it also brings me to um the other part of this that i wanted to talk about because we've talked about what it takes to build up these spaces but we haven't really directly talked about you know the labor the last seven years of work that have gone into this um speaking of people who have stayed the same you've got some of the uh, same voice actors and now with with much broader uh, job titles than before yeah so uh every main person who worked on first drive 
uh, has also worked on this game. So obviously, Claris and me, um, our technical director, uh, Phil, uh, also has gone as Melusine, uh, was our programmer and actually artist on the first drive. Yeah, where's um, Phil? <laughs> where is Phil? Where is he? He's he's around. Shall we? <laughs> Phil, come on! You don't want to talk to you. Talk, you don't want to talk to Solon? Come on. <laughs> we're, we're in like the last two weeks of production on this game right now, so Phil's yeah. a little busy. Oh, I know. Um, but the, oh, you're uh, about done with the game? Yes, we're we're almost done making it, which is exciting. But uh, yeah, the the composer on the original is our main composer for all of. Um, all of the spaces between, and let me tell you, there are hours of music in this game that we are very excited about. Oh my god, so uh, much music. I, so much music. Um, and then you mentioned the, the voice actors. Yeah, so Jacob Burgess was our uh, voice actor for the first drive, the yeah, that voice was, of the radio. I had to look back at the credits, I'm like, oh, that was Jacob seven years ago also? I know, baby. I know. It's, so he uh, so he did the voice of the radio. So he's back yep. to do the voice of the radio and and all of the just because we wanted all of the original content in the new game as well. So he's redone all of the original lines, but there's lots more voice of the radio to be heard on the drive, so that you get you know a little bit different stuff every time you replay it, uh, which has been very exciting. And and he just absolutely killed it um coming back to to reprise the role uh with the new writing that we had done just was right back in in it knew exactly the tone so we absolutely love jacob and and he's done a lot of um casting and directing as well uh so he was our caster and voice actor voiceover director uh, on the project to work with our other um voice actors uh we have basically one voice actor per journey to give it that that different tone Mm. Yeah, that, that's what got me really excited was <laughs> just fast forwarding to Jacob's a, a, you know, voice actor and voice caster for tons of stuff now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's really, really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we specifically, uh, our, our announcement trailer that we put out a couple months ago, um, we also very specifically kind of orchestrated for people like you, Solon, with, who, who knew Glitch Hikers. <laughs> Uh, to to watch and you know we start with a different voice actor and we start with some of the train uh, and then we cut to the drive and there's Jacob's voice you're yep. listening to Radio 90 Night Drive mm. and it was that you know I'm, I'm sitting here as we release the trailer going like I can't wait for people to see you know that moment and go oh holy shit more glitch hikers <laughs> yeah yep no that was that was a that was a moment for me because. I don't know. It's Walker. You actually might be able to help answer this question because when I look at glitch hikers, it comes to at me in waves of like nostalgia for a time that maybe never existed or maybe did uh, seven years ago. And uh, but you come at it from a, a more recent point of view, and in, in some ways, um, well, I mean, not really. I, I did play in like 2014 when it was like getting um, like the initial press coverage. Mm-hmm. Like, that's more or less where I start looking at, like, um, you know, beyond IGN and, and, <laughs> and Eurogamer. And I start looking into, like, games coverage. And, like, that's more or less where I start getting involved with this stuff. So I've been, like, an original fan, if you would say. <laughs> but it does feel... It does that's amazing. put things into context. You know, I was, like, um, how old am I? Like, 25? So I was, like, 17 when it came out. Yep. And it is a little bit strange to, to see... The game now that I'm used to driving, now that like a lot of these conversations are 
less musings and more real subjects that we, I have to grapple in my life. Sure. Like I actually did did start to notice the the importance of that um, accessibility filter that you have uh, turning off certain subjects that might be too heavy because like. There were a couple of segments I saw in the trend that was like, oh, sh- oh shit, that's like a thing that happens. Like, I've seen it happen. Uh-huh. There's actually, there's there's tons of those filters in there. Um, and I almost, <laughs> I, I want to also play with it. I love the idea that they're, they're just filters to change how uh, conversations play out. And so you can filter them for things if you don't, you know, want to... St- if you are not ready to have those kinds of conversations, you can change them on a fly anytime. Um, it's it's really cool how that's set up. But also, I want to just play with them to like try to metagame <laughs> and force conversations or like, you know, I, I cut out this, this, and this and then see if I can make a different conversation happen. I almost wonder <laughs> if there could be more filters for for like just nice things like, oh, you don't want to have, you know, happy conversations? Yeah, get... Filter those out. <laughs> you want to find the right filters to do like a glitch hiker speed run? Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you, it's, you know. It's interesting, like those kinds of additional filters and stuff like that. That kind of functionality is something that we were talking about from like the prototype of the spaces between when we first started working I on figured. the game, which like was honestly a couple of years ago is when we really started like dusting off the project and being like, okay, yeah. And one of the interesting things is is that despite, you know, we haven't been working on it this whole time, I think everyone who was involved in the, in the first drive has been thinking about these things and has gotten a lot out of looking back at this project and that time in our careers and thought, you know, what, if, what have we learned since then? And what did we think we know back then that actually turned out to be true uh and so i I think that that's been an interesting process for all of us to kind of uh reflect on in some cases our entire careers um yeah Mm -hmm. and to really think about you know what what made things work the first time around i wanted to you know touch on the those filters as well because like you know they're they're there so that you can again customize your experience, right? And it, and it's not necessarily a case of you know oh I can't have any reference to that because you know I just can't deal with that ever. Um, but it might just be I had a really bad day. I don't want to have you know a conversation about death right now. So I'm just going to turn that off and and not have to worry about that. But you know next time I'll play I'll, I'll turn it back on potentially. Um, you know, we wanted to to allow that customization so that you could come into it and, and feel like you're going to have the experience that you want to have. But also, like, you know, it's not like uh, we are depicting death. We're, we're having real down-to-earth conversations about grief and dealing with grief and, and things like that. Um, and so, you know, it's the kind of thing that, you know, if, if you are... Um, if you are personally dealing with, you know, loss, for instance, it might be the kind of thing that you actually want to have that conversation right. uh, because it is an opportunity to, you know, talk through your feelings or have somebody else sort of talk through those feelings with you. Um, and so, you know, we really want to encourage folks to come into the game with sort of this 
idea of what they might experience, knowing that it's not, you know, we're not going to suddenly jump scare you or something, right? We're not showing you graphic depictions of things. We're, we're just having conversations about these sort of very deep and, and very real subjects. If if you don't want to deal with that today because you had a bad day at work or or this is still too real for you or something like that, you can turn it off. You can, you know, make sure that you have that that um that safety for yourself. Or if you find yourself in the middle of a conversation that you don't want to be having, uh, in the middle of the game, you can back out of a conversation at any time um with no you know, repercussions. So we wanted to sort of add these things in, but, but also allow it to be something that, you know, maybe you do come in and you do want to have that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, like earlier on when we were talking about the kind of nature of the car, we were talking about the consensuality at play there of letting someone in your car and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the, the ways we associate kind of, you know, being in control of a vehicle with being in control of that space, you know, being the boss of your little your little bubble world there. Um, and I think giving a lot of options, both outside the kind of flow of the game and in the heat of the moment to be able to direct conversations away from things that are difficult is part of maintaining that consensuality with players who don't yep. know what they're going to expect, right? At the same time, mm-hmm. you know, we we want to talk more about this at a later date when uh, the game is a little bit closer to release. But we thought a lot about this content filtering and how we want to approach difficult conversations because, like, yeah, a lot of the stuff we talk about is real shit and we're trying to put truth you know, real lived experiences or things that we've seen, uh, the real dynamics that are at play at some really difficult parts of being alive and existing in this universe and on this planet. Um, and we want to share that knowledge. And as Lucas was saying, you know, sometimes when those things are really hard is precisely when you need those conversations. So giving people a lot of ability to tailor their experience and respond in the moment was important, but also not doing things, not presenting this in a way where people are asked immediately and upfront to self like deselect because that right. might be a problem in the future, right? And you know, I think one thing okay. that's a little misguided in some of the discussions that we have about difficult content in games is this notion that you should be able to remove it even when it's integral to the experience. I mean, the Glitchhiker's experience is one of introspection and consensuality and holding space for you. So yeah, like in the case of our game, it's very important that you be able to have a lot of authorship over what kind of content you're going to uh, encounter and be able to get out of it. But for some games, you know, confronting that is the entirety of the narrative arc and the entire point. And it's important for games to be able to explore those things and to be able to tell those stories. Those are really important stories. Um, and so we, we wanted to explore things that are very specific to this game, like the content filters that we don't necessarily think 
you know, are applicable to a lot of other games. And then we also wanted to think of smaller courtesies in the moment players, letting them, you know, skip past conversations at any time, um, you know, letting it kind of ellipses forward and not breaking their sequence flow of the game, um, or penalizing them for not being able to kind of handle a small bit of a larger game. Like, those are things that we definitely want to continue forward. And I think it's been a really interesting process to consider a lot of this stuff deeply because, as I've said before, creating a safer space for players and really keeping an open mind about the different perspectives and mindsets that people could be approaching our game with uh, is really important and, yeah, something that we really put a lot of thought into. I can tell it's it's a big part of uh, you're going to be talking a lot about this filter with pretty much everyone, because I think it's something that <laughs> it shows how much effort has gone into it. And uh, from my perspective, because of a lot of the other narrative based games I've played where they have you just self select out, you just opt out immediately out of something that might be coming farther ahead. Uh, it's it's not an easy answer to th- to answer right in the moment when you get the mm-hmm. prompt, uh-huh. like, you know, two chapters before something hits and you're like, what are you talking about? Oh, sometimes some of the better visual novels I'll see use that to set up like, hey, here comes the drama section. And that, like that's, <laughs> that's cool, too. Um, but yeah, people are going to be talking a lot about this specific thing because it, it comes back to Silver Strings experience with architecture and narratives because you had to build that from day one in order to get a a selective style where players can understand that they can select in and out and filter things into directions where they are not necessarily comfortable. It doesn't like put, you know, bubble wrap over everything. (laughs) It puts them in, in places where they can navigate what kinds of experiences they want uh, without having to feel like they're losing anything. And so it's absolutely that from an architectural viewpoint, that is fascinating. (laughs) Well, and one of the novel. big things that we one of the big things that we wanted to do within sort of this dichotomy as well is um you know the game is all about conversations and so we also wanted to try to model good mm-hmm. conversational behavior um and so you know we have you know certainly you can use a filter to to you know stop things if you're in the middle of a conversation and you're like nope I can't do this you can back out but even when you back out of a conversation in the middle of it it doesn't just end immediately there is a line of dialogue where you say I don't think I can have this conversation right now and the hiker that you're talking to responds and each hiker has a bit of a different response but you know the idea is generally sort of like oh yeah no problem I totally get it you know sorry for for dumping that on you or whatever mm-hmm. um, but then also a couple of the characters that have uh, you know, these these harder conversations, especially, I mean, there's one that was in the original game that, you know, I think we might have handled better and we have tried to handle differently um, while still sort of keeping the, the core of it in, in the spaces between, um, where instead of just sort of dumping on you as the player and, and jumping into, you know, potentially fraught waters, she she comes into the car and says like, hey, I'm dealing with a lot of dark thoughts right now are you okay to talk about that and you have the opportunity to say like you know yes or i'm also dealing with dark thoughts but yes let's talk about it or you can say i'm not actually in a place to do that right now and she says okay i totally get it um and that's sort of the end of the conversation but sort of this idea of you know 
that's how we as people should be dealing with each other too, right? You don't yep. just go to your friend and start dumping on them because you've had a hard day. Like, you don't know where they're at. You don't know if they can deal with that right now. Or, you know, the idea of, of somebody, you know, is, is complaining to you about something, you know, asking... What what do you want from me out of this? What do you need from me? You know, are you looking for just someone to talk to or are you looking for solutions? Like, because different people are going to have different ideas of what that looks like. So we're trying to sort of help model those ideas as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I've definitely I think... been in that space a hundred times. <laughs> folks, you know, want to ask up front, like, hey, I'm in a I'm in a spot. Can you listen? Can you be an ear for me? And it's like, yeah, yeah, totally. I'm totally ready now. Uh, and, you know. As much work and thought went into some of the deeper menu systems, like the content filtering, the stuff that we put up front, unmissable, every single player encounters this, every single player has this option, you know, every single player gets this, you know, courtesy. Hey, I'm going to talk about some real shit before I dump on you. You can opt into this. Mm -hmm. Like... Mm-hmm. Those ended up being much more important, meaningful, and like mechanically and narratively aligned with our game answers to this kind of content warning, content filter problem, quote unquote, that games and to some case, because of how they're received, queer games especially, uh, struggle mm-hmm. with. Is like, yeah, those solutions are fine and all, uh, but those are kind of like, here's your bulletproof vest. Uh, rule number one and don't get shot is don't get shot. Just, like, avoid bullets. Like, if you fail to uh, uh, avoid the bullets, then here's your bulletproof vest. And in this case, it's like, hi, um, even if you neglected all of our warnings, even if you blasted through or, like, hey, this game is going to talk about real shit, like, message from the devs at the start, even if you'd never look at the content filtering some of the more difficult conversations are still going to start with a, hey, heads up, courtesy, here's your chance to opt out. Because it just makes sense. No matter what other yep. systems we have at play, it just worked better. Um, and that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, just more tools. More tools. That's a, I, That's so fascinating that between the first glitch hikers leading the way for a lot of folks, for a lot of people in its narrative uh, and just how you can just put somebody into a space. You can you just put them there. That's where <laughs> they go. Uh, and now, you know, the new glitch hikers being something more about, hey, you can put them in a space. You can also help guide them through the space in a lot of different ways. And you can put them into uh, places and, and head spaces where they can self-filter in and out of conversations that they are interested in or disinterested in. Like, that's some inc- incredibly powerful tools. <laughs> I mean, it's been extremely fortunate that we have such a talented team uh, working on mm-hmm. this. You know, it hasn't just been Lucas and I. Uh, and I think it's also been, uh, I don't want to go so far as to say fortunate, but, you know, perhaps well-timed that all of these brilliant people have been trapped in their homes. Uh, and so we've had uh, a lot of time mm-hmm. to focus very intensely on these questions and to i mean i think everyone's been thinking about self-care and how do you sit with discomfort how do you sit with extremely complicated terrifying things that are fundamentally related to the ins and outs of being a body on this planet 
how do you do that when you can't just run away from those problems or self-soothe by just like, you know, going to the movies when you are just still in that space and consequently still in that headspace? What do you do? How do you sit with that discomfort? I mean, that's been the challenge du jour every day uh, for months. And so to some oh, extent, it's... I know that that resonance and that connection back to the game we're making is, you know, it's been a helpful environment insofar as it, it, it keeps me focused on the stuff we're supposed to be thinking about. I don't know if it's necessarily <laughs> the, the best or yeah. uh, most fortunate, but it, it's a connection that I, I think is, is worth making and, and talking about just briefly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, if, if it's all right, do you, do you mind expanding on that a little more about how development during the pandemic has been for, for you all for glitch hikers, especially cause I know that silver, uh, silver string is such a project oriented thing that when, when projects start, you know, moving around radically like they did last year, I'm sure for y'all, um, that it changes kind of how things went for you. Yeah, I mean, it's been a uh, very strange time for us because, um, you know, we started ramping up as the world was ramping down, so to speak. Um, we brought Phil back onto the team, uh, like, the month before lockdown started. Uh, and since then, we have grown to, you know, seven folks plus a bunch of contractors that we're working with who are amazing. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's largely due to, you know, we've, uh, Glitch Hikers Spaces Between has been uh, largely funded by the Canada Media Fund, um, as well as a few other uh, funding folks and, and certainly help from fellow traveler. Um, and so we've had the uh, immense privilege to be able to, you know, offer folks work in this terrible time when a lot of people were, were hurting mm -hmm. for that. Um, and so that's been surreal in its own way for sure as well you know we're we're doing really well and we're making this dream game and, and what whatnot um during during this time period which is which is i think helped i mean i don't i don't know what life would have been like without without this the last couple of years it's helped you know certainly keep us busy and um keep us fed and all of that kind of stuff um and, and, and the timing worked out well also because, yeah, like you say, other projects move around and things get delayed. And, um, you know, we haven't been doing as much uh, consulting work in the last mm -hmm. few months, certainly. Um, and and ultimately, that's been OK because we've had glitch hikers to to focus on, um, you know, taking up basically all of our time anyway. Um, so so that's it, it's it's been a, it's been a weird and wondrous thing. I mean. You know, we have a very remote team. Uh, we haven't, like, ever met in person a couple of the <laughs> folks that we're working with because we hired them in the middle of a pandemic. Um, yep. And and that's been interesting. But, you know, we're, we've we always been a, a sort of remote studio. That's always been part of the the uh, the plan. Uh, and so it just really forced us to, to figure out what that looks like. Um, and then, meanwhile, you know, it certainly did affect the content of the game. I mean, there's, there's a few conversations... Uh, I remember writing that were just like, oh, okay, well, this is just a conversation about COVID now. Uh, <laughs> you know, not explicitly, but it's definitely in there, you know? There's, you know, feelings mm -hmm. of isolation or lockdown or or even 
I won't, yeah, I won't get into specifics. I don't, I don't need to push you in that direction. But like, <laughs> that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's certainly, at least for me, I don't know how, how everybody else feels about this. But just speaking for myself, there's something almost Promethean about this project. Like, first of all, hi, I hope I have grown and matured and learned better coping mechanisms and better life skills in the years from the first drive to now, from 2014 to now as yeah. an adult. So I, I would like to think that there's at least some stuff that I could pass on, you know, even before things got interesting at the start of 2020. Um, with the lockdowns, uh, there were there were life skills that I could pass on that were you know new from when I worked on the first drive. But when the lockdown happened and when everyone was kind of thrown into this weird, liminal, strange, shared, universal experience that was also deeply personal for each one of us, um, I think it became like oh. Well, just personally, projects aside, I better not forget how to take care of myself because as long as if we're locked in here for over a year, she thought, like thinking worst case scenario, yeah. then, um, you know, if I forget how to take care of myself, then it's going to be really easy to languish. And I think, you know, for everyone, it's been, that's been the case. Like, yeah, it, it has been a war of attrition on my best habits and my best, uh, sense of keeping a good good care of myself just the the day in day out sameness of covid and the pandemic yep and i think that this game has been a a rallying call for me to know keep thinking what worked back then you know what works now uh yeah what sort of compassion mm -hmm. would you want extended to yourself having failed to you know wake up and you know, do your stretching like you're supposed to or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that, that there's that connection too. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting being, I mean, we're just, Hey, we're a lot older than we were seven years ago. Um, <laughs> and in that way, it turns out <laughs> that's how that works. Um, I, I've been <laughs> seeing it the same way where, you know, we're getting older and now it's like people looking up to us as like, uh, trying to figure out because a lot of folks are trying to get their sea legs uh, in in some way or another, and maybe in a mm -hmm. new field, or maybe in the same field they've been in for a long time, or maybe just in life, just figuring out how to get their sea legs again, living and doing laundry regularly, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know, it can be in any kind of thing, but they're like looking to me, and I was like, I guess, yeah, I'm almost, I'm thirty ish. Uh, yeah, I guess you look to me now, huh? And I, you know got to be that person to be like all right this is how you, this is how you do laundry i got you <laughs> you got to wash you're going to wash those colors all together wash with the whites i don't care uh but just turn <laughs> turn your graphic tees inside out it'll make them last so much longer yeah oh, those are tips. <laughs> i don't know actually on the on the topic of uh, the workflow i actually was curious because obviously this is a much more um labor intensive project than the original glitch hackers was yeah. How much does adding sections that don't take place inside a vehicle add to your like work pipeline? Because you have the the park, which is uh, walking around, and I, the airport is also not in an enclosed, tight vehicle space. Like, how much of a challenge is that technically? I mean, in, in some cases, it was like making four different games. <laughs> 
really mm-hmm. was. It really, yeah, it really was. Uh, uh, every one of them, you know, we've talked about how they're all different mechanically. And of course, like, how did we decide that that was a good idea? Um, cause it is making four different games. Um, so, you know, each of them we had to approach, uh, you know, in their own way and, and what made most sense for, for that, um, you know, the design experience we're trying to create. Uh, and then also, you know, this is our, I mean, we've, we've been growing as a studio. We have an actual team now. So this was our first real, like, project where we had to really look at, you know, scope and timeline and budget and go, okay, but what, what can we actually accomplish in, in the time that we have? And, and, you know, how do we come up with design solutions that will make this, you know, easier for us, uh, or, you know, possible for us, uh, and things like that. So, I mean, it's, it was a whole, a whole ordeal for sure. That's such a hard question to even answer or cut, like approach when you're in pandemic though, too. When, where time feels like it's forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like I say, we because we had you know specific funding mostly from the from the Canon Media Fund, um, and you know then then schedules and, and budgets and stuff as a result, uh, lots of things you know changed over the course of, of the project. But we knew that we had uh, you know we had deadlines, we had uh, um, bars we had to to reach. Uh, that kind of stuff. So we at least had that that grounding. I think uh, we couldn't we couldn't just make this forever. I mean, we you know, with with yeah. the resources, we absolutely could make the checkers forever. Um, and I'm and I'm almost glad that you know that's not a possibility because it forces us to you know actually put something out into the world and and you know make the decisions that we need to make to to make it as tight and and good an experience as we can. Um, so you know that's been. It's been something that just keeps driving us forward. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, we're coming close to, to the finish line on You're that one, so which is fun. close to the finish line. Amazing. Yeah. So, though I will just like piggyback off of that and say that like for the folks listening at home, like, uh, I mean, we love this game. We love these ideas. They're continue to be a dynamo of inspiring ways we could push things further and we would love to continue to support this game well um so if y'all listening like it and there's a a hunger and a a need for more glitch hikers then i think we'll probably be able to rise to the challenge again in the future uh i certainly love this game but uh it's been Absolutely. a, a we, real hoot. Yeah, we're, we we would certainly revisit. Uh, you know, if if folks are are really digging the new, uh, the spaces between. You know, there's there's lots more directions we can continue to push it. So go wishlist now on Steam. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, what is that? Bit.ly slash capital G glitch hikers then capital T S B. I think that's the if I remember the link. Yes, I believe that is correct. That'll take you right to the Steam page. I'm pretty sure we can put that in the post in the website. <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Also, you can check out glitchhikers.com, which has the link to the Steam page, has our trailer, all of that kind of stuff. Well, this seems like a, a perfectly quaint place to end. I don't know how we have managed <laughs> to reach around that way. Uh, any last thoughts or questions, Walker? I have one. Do you have any plans for a translation? Interesting. Great question. Uh, yes. Um, we are planning, uh, if all goes well to, um, 
to launch with uh, simplified Chinese as well as English. Um, and if things go well in, you know, once we once we do launch, um, you know, we're, we're definitely interested in, in getting into uh, more languages. We would absolutely love to, to translate it into to a lot of languages. Um, we'll just have to see what the uh, what the interest is like. Uh, it is uh, about an 85,000 word game. So uh, each additional language that we look at has a has a cost associated with it. But that's absolutely something that we're, we'd love to do. And just to elaborate, it's also something that, like, as excited as we are to get it uh, translated, we also want to do it right. We want to pay people a fair rate for their labor, and we want people to take the time to really translate the concepts and cultural mores and concepts that, that we're talking about that are situated in English in North America and translate those uh, for the appropriate culture for each language as well, so that it makes sense in its context. Mm-hmm. Any plans for VR? It kind of has that kind of look and style to it in a way. You're like the third or fourth person who's asked us that in the last couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, I know I am, and I'm asking it for a reason. <laughs> I know specifically uh, we, I am. <laughs> we we have uh, we've certainly talked about doing uh, VR glitch hikers um, over. I mean, over the last several years, even as we were. You know, trying to figure out if there was a, if there was more glitch hikers that we could do. Um, yeah. You know, we we love VR. We've worked on a, a number of VR projects, so uh, there is a possibility uh, for sure in the future. I think, like you say, it it feels like it fits so well, uh, being able to really immerse yourself in in these spaces uh, through VR. So it's it's something that has been on the table, something that has been discussed. Uh, no current plans. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, in that case, uh, let's let's wrap things up here on the Starlight Car. Uh, where can we find y'all, and and where where would you like us to go to uh, help support glitch hikers? We kind of talked about it a little bit, but uh... yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can wishlist glitch hikers uh, uh, on Steam. Uh, that's definitely one of the sort of best ways to uh, support us. You'll get notified, you know, as soon as the game is, is released next year, all of that fun stuff. Um, you can follow our Silver String Twitter account, uh, which is Silver String without any vowels. I need some. Yep, it's at which Silver I will String. Spell. Yeah, Silver String, Silver exactly. S L V R S T R N G on Twitter. Um, we have uh, lots of updates and screenshots and things uh, there that you can see. So lots of great, um, great content to follow along with. Um, and if you're uh-huh. really into it, uh, please also check out the Fellow Traveler Discord. Um, we have uh, a channel there where you can come and hang out with other fans of the game, and we'll be doing some fun stuff there, you know, over the coming months as well. For the real hiker heads. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for having us here. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you for, this for has been letting such us pleasure. host y'all. Thank you. Uh, Walker, uh, where can we find you and where can we uh, get more uh, introspective thoughts on... on tone, sound, and glitch hiking um, from yourself. I'm on Twitter at PunkPathet, and in there there's like a link of all my dumb music reviews and radio music. I, uh, you can find me at ChorbySP. That's my, that is my Twitch handle. That is the, the nom de plume of uh, evil diabolical Twitchdom. Um, that's also <laughs> where I stream on Twitch. The uh, 
other things that you should definitely be following. If if you're not, uh, you may be one of the first people listening to this right now on Patreon at patreon.com slash VGCC. Uh, for $3 a month, you can get a lot of our work a week early, including our anime podcast and uh, many other delightful tidbits as we uh, play through games and stuff. And uh, if you like what you heard here, you can follow us at uh, on Twitter at VG uh, at VG Choo Choo. That is the place for tweetings, uh, as well as Tumblr at videogamechoochoo.tumblr.com. And, uh, you know, come hang out with us on Discord. We're at thegamezone.zone. That's the place where the games are zoned. It's, it's a liminal space all in of its own. Oh, it's there's some places in there that are quite liminal. Ex- <laughs> exceedingly liminal. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, thank you all for joining us on this edition of the Starlight Car. Uh, hey, y'all, you want to go to the dining car real quick? We'd pop over, get a snack. Sounds good to me. Oh, it's a great way to end your journey. <laughs> Yeah. Let's all let's all go to the dining car. I'll see you all next time. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs>